0: You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Invite you to turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. We'll begin reading at verse 12 and we'll read through to chapter 4 verse 1. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. If on some point you think differently, that too, God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For as I have often told you before and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers, you you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, That is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. Thus far, our reading will now turn directly to our text from the gospel according to John chapter 6, the verses 1 through 15, the well-known account of the feeding of the 5,000. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely this is a prophet. Who is to come into the world? Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, at the beginning of the worship services here and in many churches throughout the world, you will hear the phrase, lift up your hearts, lift up your hearts. This is known as the sersum corda. The sersum corda, which is just the Latin of the phrase, lift up your hearts, except that the word your isn't there. The congregation coming together to meet and worship is called to lift up their hearts because they're meeting in solemn assembly and in holy worship before the righteous God the kind God, the faithful shepherd of his people, the one who sits enthroned in majesty on high in heaven. We lift up our hearts to take the focus off of ourselves and of the other concerns of this world. We lift up our hearts to focus our hearts on the one who is seated at the right hand of God in heaven and to consider the grace that comes from him to us the salvation that he's won for us in worship and in praise that's why we lift up our hearts and you may have noticed before in the in the form for the Lord's supper that we have a, a sursum corda as well a call to lift up your hearts. There we're called not to cling with our hearts to the outward symbols of bread and of wine, but to lift up our hearts on high, where Christ our advocate is at the right hand of his heavenly Father. In the Lord's Supper, our Lord Jesus Christ has given us these very earthly elements of bread and wine, bread that's made out of grain that grows in a dirty field. The farmer harvests, it's Put together in a very earthly way, it's bread, wine that's grown from grapes, fermented out of grapes, grown in the vineyard. These are earthy things. These are things you find on the farm They grow out of the dirt. But these elements, this bread and this wine, are signs. They're meant to point us past themselves. They're meant to point us toward heavenly things. To the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. He is the bread of life. His blood has bought and secured our salvation. So when we lift up our hearts, we look past the, the physical, earthly realities and look in faith to the heavenly, eternal realities. That's what we do when we lift up our hearts. In our text this morning, we see Jesus, the one who came from heaven to earth, dealing with very physical, earthly realities. He's dealing with the realities of bread and of fish and the ever-present reality of hunger. And this account is a well-known one. Jesus, he's in the north of Israel at the Sea of Galilee a place he was very familiar with, a region he grew up in. As we read from other accounts, Jesus and his disciples were trying to find solitude from the great crowds that had been gathering around to see the miracles that he was doing, to hear his teaching. But even though they tried to get away, the crowd was determined to find them, and they did, all 5,000 of them, all 5,000 men plus women and children. While the disciples are disturbed by the large numbers of people and the fact that there's no way that they're going to be able to feed them, Jesus knows better. John once again informs us about this supernatural knowledge that Jesus has. He knew what he was going to do, but he, and so he's not troubled by the crowds. He's not troubled by the lack of food. He has compassion on these people. He understands their needs. He understands their earthly needs. He understands their temporal needs. He understands their eternal needs. And so he determines to feed them. Where shall we buy bread for all these people to eat, he asks. The disciples take this as a kind of a neat, naive question. Philip does anyways. And uh, Philip's going to teach Jesus some of the realities of economics. You have to understand, Rabbi, actually, it would take eight months' wages to feed all these people. We don't have nearly enough food. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, for some reason, volunteers that, well, they do have some food. They have five loaves of bread and two fish. There is enough for the disciples to have a snack, essentially doesn't really answer the question of how are these 5,000 men plus women and children going to get some food. Well, Jesus knows about economics. He knows about bread and fish and large crowds. He knows about hunger. He knows about desires. He knows about needs. But he also knows so much more. And so he lifts up his heart to the Lord. We read that. That he. He looks to heaven. And he gives thanks. He thanks God for the provision of this food. And then he proceeds in a miraculous way to feed the five thousand out of these five loaves and two fish. It was a miracle. A total miracle. A huge miracle. A miracle that. From what we read here, everyone there recognized as a miracle. Everyone realized that Jesus had just made these, these five loaves and two fish feed this huge crowd and gave them more than enough food. They all recognized this as a miracle. They saw that there was a supernatural power here with Jesus. But yet, they didn't lift up their hearts to the Lord. It seems from verse fifteen that they didn't consider the heavenly source of this power and the implications of the heavenly source. They they believe this must be a prophet who, who has come into the world, but they don't consider the implications of what it means that Jesus has come as the great prophet into this world. They didn't consider the heavenly implications. Instead, they saw the earthly potential for this kind of power. They wanted to make Jesus king. He can do this with five loaves and two fish for us. Think of what he can do for a whole country. Think of how he can equip us against our enemies. Drive out the Romans. Give us freedom. Wipe away poverty. They wanted to make Jesus king. But Jesus didn't want that. And that's why he withdrew. He didn't want them to see the earthly potential or that kind of earthly potential for his power. He wanted them to lift up their hearts. He wanted them to see the power that he had just displayed and believe in him. And who he was, the son of God and the son of man. He wanted them to remember how God had fed the Israelites in the wilderness by the power of his almighty hand. He wanted them to believe that he was the Messiah and the son of God that had come not to feed their empty stomachs for one meal. But to feed their empty souls forever. He had come to rescue them from sin and to restore them to their father, the one who gives all that they need, who gives life in the here and now, who provides bread and food, but who also gives eternal life through Jesus Christ. He wanted them to lift up their hearts and brothers and sisters, our Lord Jesus Christ wants us to lift up our hearts and we've come here this morning, haven't we, to do just that. To lift up our hearts out of the, the, the present, the temporal. And to consider the eternal. Jesus wants us to hear the heavenly gospel from God's word. He doesn't want us just to hear the words of man, the opinions of men, but the word of God. He wants us to hear the voice Of himself, of Jesus Christ. He wants us to receive the gospel in the sacraments. To receive not just bread and wine. But to receive Jesus Christ himself, our mediator, who is at God's right hand. He wants us to sing and to pray in response to God's goodness to us. Not to go through the tired motions of a familiar liturgy. But to give heartfelt praise and thanks to the triune God for all his heavenly and earthly gifts that he showers upon us. Brothers and sisters, let us not cling with our hearts to earthly things but lift them up to where Christ Jesus is seated with wisdom and power and authority at the right hand of God. Jesus Christ fulfills all our earthly and our heavenly needs. Let us lift up our hearts to him. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.